And so burn the ship started as this whole thing that was just like, Hey, like, don't even walk up to a barbell and think you're going to miss. Like, don't be dating someone and be talking to someone else. Like, don't be at your job and be like looking for other jobs. Like if you're going to do something, you do it completely. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never. My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform. That Gosh, man, that was, was a moment to change my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. journey to a better you starts right now. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you for tuning in this week. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly, as always. And on this week's episode, I am joined by the head coach and owner of Bear Barbell, Brittany Rucker. Brittany somebody who I've been following on social for a while now, and I got the chance to meet her down at the American Open Series 2 in Albuquerque. I didn't get to talk to her long because I was competing with one of her athletes, Corey, but I just mentioned that it seemed like every single athlete that I was seeing in the training hall and at the venue was a part of her team, Bear Barbell. Their logos were just everywhere. Um, Every person getting announced to go on the platform, it just seemed like you were hearing Bear Barbell constantly. So I wanted to talk to her about the success that she's had as a coach over the last year and a half. And what you'll notice from our conversation is it's a lot more than just the amount of kilos on the bar or how many medals that her team has won and it's just more about giving a shit about people and building other people up so i think you guys are going to really enjoy Brittany's message i enjoyed our conversation and i hope you do too like the sport is so small and being in the weightlifting world you think it's like huge and everyone thinks this is the coolest thing ever but when you go outside of it it's like oh you do snatches like no one cares (laughs) no nobody knows what it is for me what's cool is the bigger our team has gotten weird stuff will happen like i have an athlete in alaska right and i know i know i have an old teammate who from like six years ago who was in alaska also um and they somehow ran into each other Stuff like that. Or I have an athlete um, on the East Coast who went to Target and saw someone who had a bear shirt on that used to be on the team. (laughs) So it's weird. It's like, and they'll text me about it. And I'm like, how is this even like, how is that even possible? But because yeah, in the in the big, like in the world, nobody knows what we're doing. Nobody knows why we go to the gym so much or why we're okay with our knees hurting every day. Yeah. Well, I figured we'd... uh... I figured we could start it at like AO2 and then kind of kind of backtrack to, to where it all started because I know you just had a bunch of athletes compete. And like you said, you've been having people compete all around the world. But um, when I bumped into you at AO2, it was like a home meet. Every single person was bear barbell, bear barbell, somebody <laughs> unaffiliated, and then back to bear barbell. So what was that experience like? And kind of walk us through coaching that many athletes at one time. So before that, the most I'd ever coached um, was at State, which was, which is still different. It's like a home meet, you know, because it was actually in San Antonio, um, you know, sleep in your own bed. We had, I think, around high 30s, maybe do State, but that's two platforms that are next to each other. Um, it, it was different. So when AO2 happened, you know, we were only 10 hours away. Um, about half of our team is remote. And I have some like super OG lifters that I've coached for like four years. And the only time I really get to see them is at nationals. So 
I was like, Hey guys, look, AO2, it's within driving distance. Um, next year, you know, the Arnold's expensive Canada, there's a barrier to entry. So if you're going to do a national, like in, if it's even in your head, do AO2, like, um, I'm not going to try to control how many of you go. I don't care if you're barely qualifying or making teams. Like this is about something bigger than that. And because, you know, a lot of people don't realize bear is still a decently new team. Um, it's a way for us to kind of get out there and be like, Hey, like this is who we are. Not even like as the weight on the bar, but, um, and we'll kind of get into it more later. I'm sure. But like, I really preach being a good person, like on and off the platforms. And so I was like, Hey, like this is a way to show people who we are. So if you want to go, if you want to do this thing, sign up. And I kind of just like left it open. And then, uh, the start list came out and I was like, all right, okay, I can do this. Like, um, so I'm lucky that, you know, we have two full-time coaches and I have a bunch of other coaches that are super great that are athletes, but they also help out. So, you know, planning is everything. I'm very type A, very organized. So like just sitting down and being like, okay, let's figure out every session, every time that one of our athletes is competing. And we actually coach every single session. Um, every single session at AO2, we had someone. And so for me, the biggest thing, um, coaching is draining, like emotionally, physically, you can push through things, but trying to push through things mentally is very difficult. And every single person deserves a hundred percent of their coach. Like they deserve it. You know, you don't get to give someone less just because someone else competed before them. So for me, making sure I was prioritizing sleep when we got back to the Airbnb, having some time to decompress, making sure I was eating. Normally I just slam caffeine the whole time I coach at meets. And I only had one energy drink a day. I drank plenty of water. Like I made myself a priority, I think for the first time. And it allowed me to push through all four days or whatever it was. Um, I maybe would get like 20 minutes to sit down in between sessions. Uh, and it was, it was awesome. Cause I mean, coaching the last session, I remember standing there thinking like, man, I feel okay. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm giving someone less um, than the session before that. So, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, all of our athletes competed super well. Um, nobody bombed out. We had a bunch of PRs. We had first-time national competitors. We had people just warming up for meets. Um, overall, it was amazing. And just seeing everyone in the crowd. Um, I had TOs coming up to me, and they were like, you have such a supportive team. Like, they're so amazing. Um that is way more important to me than having athletes, you know, granted we won medals, but having athletes win medals. Like I tell people when they first join, I'm like, look, if you're, if you're an asshole, I don't want to coach you. Um, I don't care how good you are. Like I would rather take someone that doesn't know what a snatch is, but is really supportive and a good teammate over anything else. And that, I think that really showed at AO2 that how supportive our entire team is of each other. So, I mean, AO2 was, it was awesome. It was a, it was a really great experience for me as a coach. Have you taken on assholes before and that's like what's gotten you there? Or have you just, from the start, you're like, it doesn't matter how many athletes I'm coaching. It's just about the quality of people. Um, so prior, I've coached in other environments where I've had peers that were really toxic for the environment. Um, I've coached with other coaches that, you know, you would have an athlete walk into the gym and see that that coach was there and their entire demeanor would change. Or maybe someone was training and that coach would walk in and it was like the few, you know, it's just like everyone's been in an environment where there's like someone that it's kind of toxic. And when they walk in, everyone's like, shit, like, man, like seriously. And so for me, recognizing that and realizing, I mean, I'll, like eight years ago, I didn't know what weightlifting was. 
um, I didn't have a clue. And I was, so I got out of high school and went to paramedic school. So I was a paramedic for nine years before I fully quit my job and just coached. And I mean, I've never been a super high level athlete. Um, I'm always one of those like qualify for AO series, but finals has always been a stretch. And the more coaching has become a priority, the more that's not really a goal anymore. But being a paramedic, I learned how much you can diffuse situations and how you can almost control a situation by just being really genuine and being real with people and just understanding that everyone's going through stuff. And if you're just a really good person, like genuinely a good person, not faking being a good person, actually caring about people, you can get a lot farther in life than any other quality you can have. And that was something that when I started Bear, it was very like the club I was with before there was like, it was kind of toxic. There were some issues. And so when I started Bear, it was like, Hey, the only thing I care about is protecting all of you and keeping all of you safe and understanding this is a positive uplifting environment. I mean, I started Bear in the middle of, of COVID, like when it was getting bad. And so people were losing their jobs, you know, not being able to pay rent. And so I'm like, Hey, like this is your safe space. And so that transferred into, okay, well now I have this safe space. Well, how do I protect this safe space? Well, I can control who comes in and out. And I've had people join um, that I've, I've had other people warn me like, Hey, just so you know, they've caused issues at other gyms and I'm all about fresh. I'm like, Hey, um, everybody gets a clean slate when they walk through the door because environment is so important. And how often, uh, you know, I know when I was younger, I would have friends that were shit talkers or whatever. And you start to like assimilate with the culture. And so like, you know, if you're around negative people, you become negative. If you're around people who talk bad about people, it's really easy to fall into it. So when people join, I'm just like, hey, like, this is what we do here. We're super straight up. We're super transparent. Um, I don't deal with BS. And if you cause that here, unfortunately, I will ask you to leave. Um, I don't care about your past. I don't care about what you've done. Everyone starts clean. And I've had people that it's amazing. I've heard so many bad things about them. But if you give them a, a good chance and they're surrounded by people that are super positive, they become that. And that's, I think, what for me is cooler than anything is having someone come in that maybe had some traits in the past that weren't great for a team and a culture. And then you just watch them change into like this supportive, uplifting teammate. Yeah, I mean, that's a thousand percent true. Like just being in the corporate space for uh, the last couple of years, I get that where environment is so easy to just if other people are negative, you're just you're not going to make other people positive if everyone no. around you is negative. You're just going to it's so so much easier to just choose to be negative. So, yeah, I think that change of envir environment is so huge. It's I mean, it's big. And even with the it's challenging having remote athletes because I don't even want to say it's hard because it's not hard, but making them feel like they're a part of that same culture. Um, you know, social media is a beautiful thing. Like someone will join the club and all of a sudden um, teammates here, they become like best friends over social media. And so being able to provide that to where someone travels, because we have people here all the time they'll come stay at the house or they'll stay somewhere. And um, like I have, two or three athletes literally coming in next weekend for a meet that we're doing and allowing them to walk into the gym and they've never met some of these people, but they already know their family. They already know their, their team. Um, that's, what's really cool for me is having people all over the country, um, that are still a part of something that they aren't with physically. Yeah. So, so let's talk about like the, the journey to get here. I know like you have a ton of athletes right now, everything's going super well. So 
I mean, how'd it get started? How'd you even get started into weightlifting? You said eight years ago, you didn't even know what it was. Okay. So, um, backtrack a little. So I was an athlete my whole life, uh, almost played basketball in college, had an injury, um, couldn't anymore kind of was in a weird rut when I was a medic the first couple of years, wasn't really working out, didn't really know what to do. Then I had a friend who was like, Hey, like there's this CrossFit gym. I was like, what's CrossFit? And he was like, let's go check it out. There's a 5am class. Um, went and did Cindy was the first workout I did. It's like the 20 round pull-up sit-ups air squats, maybe. I don't remember. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Right. So I got into uh, CrossFit ended up moving to a bigger city, San Antonio, which is where I live now joined a bigger club. Um, I had been there for maybe two or three months and I've always been an athlete. Like I've never been really, really good at anything specifically, but I've always just been generally athletic. Like I'm a better athlete than I am anything else. Like give me something to jump over like functional strength, stuff like that. Um, got into CrossFit a little bit and then had a weird rough day as a medic. And I had a coworker who owned a motocross track and I was like, Hey, have you ever been on a dirt bike? And I was like, no. And, uh, they're like, well, come over. I'm going to teach you how to ride a motorcycle. I was like, all right, whatever. So I got essentially put my leg over a dirt bike one day and didn't, uh, take it off for like two years. And so I naturally, I've never really been, um, scared of that many things, especially physical things. So I was really good at motocross because I didn't care. Like I wasn't afraid. So I rode for four months, did two races, ended up getting my pro card. Um, a couple months later, rode professionally for two seasons, got really, really hurt, uh, broke my sternum, broke my hip, shoulder, like a bunch of stuff, um, punctured along, like almost died and didn't get back on a bike, got way more into CrossFit. Okay. So this is when I moved to San Antonio started going to that bigger gym. Um, three months in, I had the owner pull me aside and he was like, Hey, um, I signed you up for your CrossFit level one. Uh, you're going to go take it in like a month. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, you don't see it, but you're like a natural coach. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And he was like, but you know how to be a leader. And I fought it and I fought it and ended up going uh, and getting my certification, started coaching CrossFit, had a guy that I worked out with that kind of started helping me with snatch and clean and jerk. At this point, I just thought it was snatch and clean and jerk. I didn't know it was an actual sport, but I loved it. And uh, he was like, hey, you should do a weightlifting meet. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he explained to me what it was. And I was like, you mean I don't have to get on a rower or like do a wall ball? I mean, that's cool. Like I'm totally out. And I was also also better at the strength stuff. So um, ended up expressing to the owner of the CrossFit gym, like, hey, I really want to get into weightlifting. I don't want to do CrossFit anymore. And he essentially pushed me out and like looking, I was very hurt at the time, but looking back, it was the best thing anyone could have ever done for me. Uh, he was like, all right, well, go get your USAW level one, find a gym to go train at. And um, thanks for everything you've done. And I'm like, what, you, what, you're firing me? And he was like, no, like you need to do what's best for you. And I mean, I was, like I said, it was hurt, but like looking back, it's funny. I had coffee with the owner like three months ago, two months ago, maybe and, um, I thanked him. And he was like, you always had so much more potential than we could have ever given you. So found a gym, uh, started training there and loved it. Didn't really, I've always been very type A. And so for me, um, not being in charge was really hard for me. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom kind of screwed me up by telling me that nobody will do anything better than you do it yourself. And that just ruined me because from there on out, I wanted to do everything on my own. Um, and so ended up, uh, had a teammate 
we ended up leaving that gym and started another club. Um, long story short, we ran the club for a couple years. Um, it just, it wasn't the best environment for me. Um, I was a 50% owner, but wasn't really treated like a 50% owner. Um, it just wasn't, it wasn't for me. Like I was always about the people caring about humans and, you know, some business owners are very much about making money. And that just wasn't kind of my deal. Like I made really good money as a paramedic. Um, I worked in a community that was very rich and I saw how much money really ruined a lot of things. Um, and so when COVID happened, I kind of really wasn't in a great place mentally and I was super not happy. And, um, sometimes it just doesn't make sense for people to be business partners. Like if you have very different things you want to accomplish with what the business is, it just doesn't make sense. So I, uh, essentially told her like, Hey, like I got to do my own thing. Like I'm about to be 30 and like, this just isn't working for me. So it got a little ugly legally. I essentially ended up leaving empty handed. So I started bare with nothing. Uh, three sets of pin lay plates and a couple barbells that I found off Craigslist. Uh, we essentially told all the athletes, there was about 75 on the team. Hey, you know, thanks for everything. Uh, Brittany's going to be leaving, doing her own thing. You guys are free to obviously do whatever you want. And uh, the majority of the athletes were like, well, if you're going, I'm going too. Um, so when I started there, I did have about 65 athletes that I had originally had relationships with that came with. So that, that helped, like people will be like, how have you? And I'm like, look, I started with like a decent group of people. Um, so that's how I started Bear, And we started, uh, I signed the paperwork May 20th of last year. And I never expected it to grow. I never wanted it to. Like for me, it's never been about making money. Um, so I was just like, hey, like I have my people. This is enough to pay my bills. Um, my, you know, I have a huge garage at my house. Um, it's like 1300 square feet. Uh, all my neighbors are amazing, so they don't care. And so we would just have team training in the garage. Um, you know, have to shut the garage door really quick when cops drove, cops drove by. We had more than 10 people. Uh, but it was, I don't know, like, I think the garage helped a lot of our OG athletes get through COVID. Um, they had, you know, we had a bubble. It was close. You know, we didn't really associate with anyone else. We were really lucky. We never had, like, a COVID outbreak. Every, I don't think we had a single person get COVID during while we were in the garage. Um, and then word of mouth, right? Like we weren't really public about taking on athletes. We really weren't because it was just me coaching. And for me, I just wanted to make sure I took care of my people. Um, I never thought we'd leave the garage ever. I never planned to. And, uh, we started growing, started growing. There was one Saturday, there was 21 people in my garage. And I was like, what am, what, like I, this isn't going to work. Like, I remember freaking out. And I was like, what do I do? And so I started having CrossFit gyms reaching out to me like, hey, we've got this space. We know what you're doing. You know, we kind of know who you are. I would go check them out. Didn't really feel it. And I'd be like, look, like culture is huge for me. Like I'm not putting, I took these people out of an environment that was somewhat not really great for them. I'm not putting them back in one that I can't control. So the fifth CrossFit gym I went to is where we are now. Uh, it's called Fit Stop. Um, the owner is incredible super supportive he's like a dad like if i need something he's really helpful if i need a tool he's like don't buy it i got you um he's awesome so we moved into fitstop in september um and it's i don't know it's been awesome we've grown like crazy um we now have two full-time coaches we have a part-time coach um we've got like an internship program going on because i just my biggest issue is i just need more coaches 
And the thing about culture being so important, it's not like, like I had an athlete be like, well, why don't you just hire a coach? I'm like, it's not that easy. Like, it's, it's just not like, you can't just pull someone in off the street in a culture and be like, Hey, respect this person. Like they're fine. I promise. Um, so let me think around state, which was January. I remember. So Danny Camargo is my coach. And I remember telling him like, Oh, like we just hit a hundred. Like, how cool is that? We hit a hundred athletes. Um, and he was like, like, that's nuts, you know? And I was talking to him maybe about a week or two ago. And uh, he was like, what are you at? Like 130, 140. I was like, Danny, we're at 175. And he was like, how? And I was like, dude, like, it's, it's insane. But um, I think what really helps is our other coach, Nicole, um, is actually my wife. We got married in May. We were best friends for years. It's a whole long story. She had a thing for me for a long time. And I never realized it because I'm an idiot. And then one day I was kind of like, hey, like, do you have a thing for me? And she was like, yeah, you're really dumb. Um, <laughs> So it like having my whole life revolve around bear um, is really, I think a big thing that's led to its success. And just like, man, I just really care about people. Um, when I grew up, I really didn't have a support system and anyone like in my corner. And I just kind of figured out life by myself. And so being able to be what I wish I had for people, um, it's important. And so I think that's kind of what led to me all along with self-awareness, like not getting burnout, like coaching four days straight um, at AO2. Like I can't complain about that situation at all. Like I, I love every second of it. Um, you know, we have our state championship in January, registration just closed. And I think we're probably going to have like 60 people. Um, and I'm just like, fuck yeah, let's go. Um, so I think like if I can contribute everything about there down to anything it's just giving a shit it's just caring about people and seeing them as more than athletes and realizing that like they're humans behind that and like when you actually are in someone's corner and you care about who they are and what they're doing um you can unlock some really cool stuff out of humans how do you go about like making the decision who you spend the most time with like i know you have some elite athletes and then you have some people who have never touched a barbell before so how does that time get allocated uh well it's really hard um and i think being like an intermediate level athlete myself i think gives me a lot of perspective into understanding that everyone deserves time um just because someone is on team usa or someone is going to senior nationals doesn't mean they merit more attention than anyone else so for me i tell people when they start like you get you get what you give so if you give me 100 percent to your training if you leave notes if you communicate i'm huge on communication like i'm that person that'll have a hard conversation like i i don't care i would rather have a hard, hard conversation than lose someone in my life um and that definitely took me time to develop that skill because before like i just wouldn't talk about things um, so for me, it's realizing who's putting more into their training, who's committing more, who's good at communicating. Um, we, so we have around, we have a hundred, I think it's 175 cause we just hit a new threshold and true coach where I can pay more now. So yeah, it is 175. Um, I am primary on, I believe like 105. Um, and Nicole has the majority of the rest. Eli, our other coach has a couple. Um, I have about like two three actually technically that are on rosters for team usa um i have a senior athlete that's pretty close i think i have about 15 that are ao finals qualification um it also depends on the athlete like 
some of my really high level athletes don't require very much attention. Like Mario, I just went to uh, Mexico with him. He does not really require that much attention. Like I write his programming. He sends me videos. I watch them when I get to them. I think there's this common misconception that high level athletes require a lot of attention. Um, and some do, but some don't like some of my beginners are, or intermediate level athletes are way more needy than my high level athletes. Um, I think it's mostly, I guess, to answer your question, long-winded, it's, it's about who gives more, but also reading the athlete. Some athletes need more than other people, and that's okay, and some athletes don't. Like, I have some athletes I'll check in on. Uh, I have a 73 out of California, um, like 245 total. Super easy. Like, I have to be like, hey, Harley, are you good? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm like, okay, like. And then you have some people that you get text messages from every day. And it's just realizing that people have different needs and people have different needs at different times of their life. Sometimes they're going through stuff and they really need a support system. And sometimes they're just coasting and they're, they're chill. Um, I think it's just, it's reading the athlete and understanding that you like, there are some coaches who are like, you're not good enough for me to give you more attention. And they're like, well, I have like this going on. Like I know coaches that, when they go to these international meets, they're like, hey, I'm MIA. Like, and I'm like, you're still paying for coaching. No, like you, my athletes here don't get less of me just because I'm on a, like I'm on a trip to Saudi Arabia. Do they get less? I mean, probably, but do I still watch videos? Do I still write programming? Do I still respond to text messages even though I was eight hours ahead? Yeah, I was just texting them at 2 a.m. And I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, but like this is on a week. So I think it's just, I, and I think that's a big part too of running a big team is, you have to realize that just because you have a big team doesn't mean anyone gets less of you. Yeah, and you you see a lot of athletes, not a lot, but you see the athletes who look over at their coach after every single lift. Like they got to know on a 35-kilo snatch, even if their max is 70, they're like, what What was that, right. coach? And do you kind of do you have that conversation with people? Like maybe I'm not the best coach for you if you need that every single time? Um. I've, I've been lucky that I've never had to have that conversation. Um, most of the athletes I have, I've had for a long time. And I think because I have such open communication, I don't have a lot of athletes that are that needy. Um, I have, I have a 59, um, her name's Steph and she's really great at telling me when she needs attention. Um, she will just stand there by her bar and be like, B and I'll be like, okay, but that's maybe like once a training cycle when she's going heavy before I meet. But other than that, not really. Um, I've had athletes that I've had to have conversations with and explain priority and be like, Hey, you just competed. This group of people is about to compete. They have this coming up. Um, I think the hardest thing for an athlete to hear is that sometimes you just need to do reps. Like sometimes you don't really need me to watch every set. Sometimes you don't need some specific exercise or movement like like when you're in an, an intermediate level lifter sometimes you just gotta lift like sometimes you just gotta shut up and put your head down and just do the sets do the reps feel out the movement um i'm also really big on educating my athletes i don't want athletes to be codependent on me as a coach i want to i want an athlete to be able to do a lift and i like to ask them like well, what did you feel and they're like well what did you see i'm like no what did you feel because I can't watch every rep. So I need you to learn how to feel things and then tell me. And so for me, one of the best feelings is when I'll tell someone like, hey, what do you feel like happened? And they're like, well, I shifted my weight back a little in my first pull and that caused me to do this. I'm like, sick. 
yes, you're right. So what are we going to do to fix it? And then they also develop a little more power and autonomy because they don't need me as much. And there's power within that as a person to not need another human as much. Yeah, I mean, that's that's everything. Like, do you want to rely on a partner? Or do you want to rely on a doctor? Or do you want to rely, you know, anybody, a mentor? Like, the, the ultimate. And one thing that when I see coaches who are really good, they want to build up coaches, like peop- their athletes as coaches so they can be better than them, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of people have this, like, insecurity where they don't want anyone else to be better than them or know more. And you see the the most high-level people are like, no, I want you to know more than me eventually. Right. And the thing is, too, my thing is I think I think some coaches feel that way because they're almost afraid. Like, that, like for me, I read all the time. Like, I'm always reading. Like, um, And so if I am scared of someone else getting better, maybe I'm just not furthering myself enough. Um, cause it's like, if, if someone is below you with their knowledge level and you're up here and you educate them, could they get to your level? Of course. But could you also continue to further yourself so that you still continue to become more educated and be able to help them? Also? Yes. Um, I actually, there's a, there's a coach that I heard about who, um, will not allow there to be another level three coach at their gym, um, and won't let their coaches coach athletes unless they're there and I had one of my athletes who was telling me about this who's also one of my coaches and she was like that's that's crazy and she was talking to her friend about it and they were like well how does B handle it when like you're coaching and so we joke around and call like Brianna and Mario the wonder kids um and Kate was like B will leave me with her wonder kids and just hope I don't fuck up but it's it's true like if I'm constantly holding hands I only have two hands so I'm either like not allowing someone to succeed, either the coach or the athlete. And so for me, I'm big on like, hey, you got to figure things out. Man, when I was a paramedic, I never killed anybody. But I don't know how many things I messed up before I had to learn. Even as a coach, like, man, how many times do you have to re- run someone's cards poorly before you realize that you need to count on two-minute clocks or count on bump-ups or count on getting iced? Like, you have to learn. And so for me, I – I try to take somewhat like a hands-off, like a macro management approach when it comes to my coaches, because I'm like, Hey, like here's an athlete, here's their warmups, go to the cards and tell me how far up they are. And they're like, okay. And they'll come and then I'll go check the cards. And I'll be like, okay, well, you're right. And this is why now, what if this was this? And what if this was this? Um, but if I don't let them learn, first of all, I can never grow because I like, at what point can, do we have to stop taking on athletes if I won't let anyone learn? Um, for me, the more coaches I have, the more athletes we can have under bear and the bigger reach we can have, the more of an impact we can make on, on like the world. Right. Cause for me, it's about making better people, making better humans, but like better people make other people better. So the more like little light bulbs I light up, the more that like shines, right. It's kind of cliche, but whatever. Um, I don't know. It's bigger. It's bigger than being in control. It's bigger. Um, like I don't, I never wanted bear to be about me. Like I wanted bear to be about like there. I want it to be about other coaches. I wanted it to be to the point to where um, I, if I can't go to a meet, because let's be honest, you know, if I still have athletes continue to making teams, there's going to be a situation that I can't go somewhere. And I want to be able to send one of my coaches there and no one be worried. And everyone be like, hey, not a big deal. It's not B, but it's Nicole, but it's Kate, but it's Eli. Um, 
and it still be the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I love that. I mean, how much of weightlifting coaching is like, okay, so you're talking about like building better humans. How much of it is like, hey, we don't really care about what weights on the bar or we don't really care about what you're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's like, it's about what you're doing outside of the gym. Like how big of a focus do you put on that? Uh, I mean, huge because, um, I have an athlete who, uh, I started, I taught her how to lift October of last year. We're talking, did not know what a snatch and clean and jerk was. Granted had a powerlifting background. So definitely some body awareness and strength, uh, was a pole vaulter also. So great body awareness. She qualified for AO finals four months ago. Like we're talking just crazy growth. And in the back of my head, I'm like, she's going to hit a wall. It's going to happen. Like you can't keep progressing like this. Um, and so I actually had this conversation with her a couple of days ago. She's doing a meet uh, next weekend as a warm up for really as a warm up for finals. And uh, she made a comment. She's like, you know, I just I have all these new athletes on the team that are my teammates that are like, I'm so excited to watch you compete. And I just don't think I'm going to do well. And I'm like, hey, here's what you don't realize is if you snatched her max is 77. I'm like, you could snatch 65 kilos at the meet or 85 kilos at the meet and no one would care. No one would know the difference. Everyone would still think you're great. Like you, you have to stop putting so much pressure on yourself because at a certain point it becomes self-deprecating. Um, you start overanalyzing lifts. You start, you, you get irritable. You become this person at team training that nobody wants to be around because you're like, you know, you miss a lift and you throw a tantrum or whatever. And it's like, Hey, like it's bigger than this. Like it's bigger than just one meet. It's bigger than one lift. Like it's bigger than one training cycle. You have to view this is just part of everything. And it's like, if, if everything you're doing, and I'll tell athletes too, I'm like, look, like if you're here 15 hours a week, there's 168 hours in a week, there's 153 hours that I don't control and I don't want to control it. So you have to realize that like your attitude, your habits, everything you do outside of these walls transfers into here. And it works both ways. Cause if you become more dedicated with your training, if you become more, you know, it like, you start eating better. You start sleeping more. Like you're just a more pleasant person to be around. Yeah, I mean, sleep is huge. <laughs> if you're not, if you're not sleeping, and if you're not training, I mean, like me personally, if I'm not, if I take a week off, I'm like, I'm a miserable person to be around. <laughs> oh, big time! I'm the worst human ever if I don't get to lift. So I know you've been um, posting a lot less about your own training, and it's been more about your athletes recently. What's I mean, like what's your own training look like and kind of how are you balancing, you know, the peaks and valleys of, Hey, when you're going to be in Saudi Arabia for 10 days and might not be able to train. Um, it's hard. <laughs> it's something I've definitely grasped. Um, so last, let me think last September was probably the best I've ever been as an athlete. Uh, I was 11 kilos off of AO finals. I was like, it was probably the best stride I've ever had as an athlete. I also at this point only had like 80 athletes, maybe balance is way better. I was single at this point. Like, um, it was way more chill. Um, and it's a different feeling, right? Like being strong, feeling a stride, like pulling a bar off the ground. That's a PR and knowing it doesn't matter because you're going to make it. Um, I don't know. I like, I miss it. Right. Like I'll go back and watch. Uh, I snatched, um, 74 off the blocks, clean 91 off the blocks. Like 
jerked 91. Like just, I miss it. Right. And it's hard. It's hard not feeling like an athlete. Um, so Danny is super patient. He's also my mentor. So that helps a lot. And when we first started working together, he was like, Hey, you're going to have to start realizing that your training is going to have seasons. And I was like, no, like, no, it's not like, I'll figure it out. Right. Um, and now I'm starting to realize that I'm like, okay, like, yeah, you're right. So like I got into a really good, uh, stride before nationals. And then I coached every day at nationals. So 11 days straight. Right. Um, kind of, you know, when you take two weeks off, like it's hard. And then I got back into it and then went to AO2. And then, you know, I think I did, uh, I did my squats. I had a, I had a, a session end early and I went into the training hall. I'm an idiot. Didn't warm up, did all my squats and my knees hurt so bad. <laughs> and then I went straight back. And so it's like, I feel like in Saudi, I kind of got to reflect a lot. Um, cause I couldn't train. Like I, you know, and it's, and it's hard not feeling like an athlete. Um, it's like Danny and I even had this conversation. I'm like, you know, like I remember when all I wanted to do is go to AO finals. And he's like, yeah, but you could. I'm like, Danny, by the time I make it to AO finals, how many athletes am I going to have? Like how many are going to be qualified? So for me, I've just realized that like, I'm going to have cycles that are going to be really good. And so for me, it's turned more into just realizing that I'm doing it, not, to qualify for something or to hit certain numbers again. Like, man, I don't know if I'll ever clean 91 kilos again. And I'm kind of okay with it um, because it's bigger than that for me. And so I'm an athlete because I want to, first of all, it's my own sanity, but leading by example, like I'm also a student, um, I'm a business analytics major. And so realizing that um, you can be an athlete, you can run a business, you can manage a million athletes and still get in the garage or get in the gym for, you know, two hours, four or five, maybe even three days a week. Um, that's really important for me. Knowing that the odds are against you, knowing that you might never lift what you've lifted once before, but it's about more than PRs. Um, it's about like not having a real reason to do something and still doing it. Mm, I like and that. And so like, and I'll tell athletes, I'm like, look like if I can do it, you can do it. Like I have way more on my plate. Granted, I have a larger emotional and physical bandwidth. Um, you could do it. And I think too, I don't know, I have an athlete who struggles with um, way better in training uh, than on a platform. And that's something that I never struggled with as an athlete because I was always a performer. I was always like, turn it on, um, you know, kind of like that little narcissist that's in all of us weightlifters. Like if someone's watching me, like I'm going to do something, you know, like, and so I think even that, like, I didn't know if I'd ever compete again. I kind of like, thought about it in Saudi like when am I ever going to have a training cycle and then watching this athlete kind of struggle with that aspect made me realize that I needed to continue to compete because so much of figuring things out as an athlete helped me as a coach so if I can figure out how to feel like I'm down and out really put into a training cycle and get back on a platform maybe that'll help me understand someone else better yeah it's like can you attach yourself to not being attached to a goal like can you just do the thing for a while and be like, oh, okay, I don't, don't know where this is going, but I'll still do it. And then, I mean, if you took six months off, maybe, yeah, you would never get to that point again. But if you keep training at least one day, two days a week, maybe, um, it'll be a lot easier to come back from, from that. Yeah. And it's, I've just, I've realized it doesn't like in the grand scheme, it doesn't matter. I have a, 
I have a 59 who just, um, it was pretty cool because she's been with me since the very beginning and she was my first senior medal. Um, you know, I've won plenty, not I've won, but I've like had athletes win plenty of youth. You know, at this point, I already had Mario win an international medal, but having this specific athlete win my first senior medal at a national meet was really cool. And then I remember one training session that we were both, we used to be training partners. Um, and we both missed an 80 kilo clean and jerk like three times. And she literally clean and jerked 80 or 95 at AO2. And I think there's this part of some coaches that would make them like salty or bitter, but like, I just think it's fucking awesome. Um, I don't know. I love the fact that I've seen so many of my athletes develop, not just how much they're lifting on the bar, but like their bodies, man. Like I coach so many strong girls. Like it is insane how many females like we have that I have. I think I have three females that snatch over 85 kilos. Um, and that's like, just not super common. Um, and it's so cool watching them be confident and be strong. And like, you know, it's not really easy to be a female sometimes. Like, I, I mean, it's different now for me, but when I first started coaching, being in a back room, I'd be looking at a card table and I would have some guy coach just stand in front of me. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's different, you know, as a female. And so getting to coach like so many strong girls, it's really cool. And I think some female coaches get really caught up in their ego. Um, and maybe that was me a couple of years ago, but like, it's about more than me. And like, nobody cares what I lift. Like my athletes could give a shit less if I snatched 55 or 95, like I could snatch 95 kilos. None of my athletes would think I'm any better of a coach. Like they don't care. And that's, that's okay. They, they should not care about my training. Yeah. It's interesting. Like how you, like, how do you come to grips with that? Like, was there, was there a period where you thought like, oh, okay. Not, not even in competition with your athletes, but always like, you know, it's the same thing with like knowledge. Like some people just don't want people to be smarter than them. So some people, I mean, I know I would just because I'm an athlete and not a coach. So like, I would always want to be better you know, better than everybody else. But with like, what was the process like to get to that point? Or did you just like, once you started getting more athletes, it's like, okay, I'm just gonna, it's on the back burner. No, I think I've always been a very competitive person. Back to the point too. I remember one day, um, I was an athlete on my first weightlifting team. And there was a girl who's a couple of weight classes bigger than me. And we were supposed to work to like a heavy double that day. And she made a comment about how she was going to snatch more than me. And I was like, I'll die before you snatch more than me. <laughs> and I was so serious, like deadpan, did not give a fuck. Um, ended up, up at, out snatching her and she quit. <laughs> and the coach came up to me. It was like, you can't be like that with your teammates. And I was like, why? Like she started it. <laughs> So that that's inside me. Like that's definitely there. Um, I really think the last like year of my life has just made me realize that I just want to make a difference. Like I just want to help people. I just want to educate people. Um, I just want to leave every single person I meet better than when I found them. And I think I just realized that I don't lift for any reason other than myself. And at the end of the day, being better than someone else doesn't make the world a better place. And so I think I just realized it doesn't matter. Like, I realized that, like, 
I'm not a competitive athlete. I'm at a point now to where I have, it was different when um, I would have to compete for like team stuff to pull points, but there's like a weird reassurance to coaching people that are better than you because like there's less pressure on you as an athlete. Like last year for state, um, I had to compete at state because like I was one of the only people that could slide into a weight class slot. Um, I ended up weighing like a kilo heavy and I competed as a 71 because that's what we needed. Um, and I didn't have a 71 that was better than me. And now when I can com- make the state roster this year, it's going to be almost like, well, I wish this person could be the third spot. Like I have three fifty nines that are amazing. Um, so there's like a weird reassurance into knowing that I can go into a meet and like, I can compete. Like I am going to do state for fun. Like I don't have to go pull points. Um, but it's hard. I mean, I know even Nicole, our other coach, and there's sometimes she struggled with that, like seeing, which she's a way better athlete than I am. Uh, she snatches like 80 cleaning drinks, like 104 or so, like way better. Um, even her, like grasping the fact of having females on our team that are better than her. Um, it's hard. But I think a lot of it comes down to like, man, I've just grown up a lot in the last year. Like I was always one of those, like, and I was like 27 on a motorcycle doing 180. Like, I just, like, there's still a part of me that's a huge kid. Uh, I think I've just grown up a lot in the last year. Like, being in charge of so not in charge, but being a part of so many people's lives and realizing that there aren't many people in this world genuinely looking to make a positive impact on others, um, you feel responsible. And so I think that responsibility just made me grow up and made me realize that, like, what I do as an individual doesn't really matter if I'm not making an impact on others. Do you have balance personally, like outside of this? zero? I'm none. I have zero work-life balance. Um, I, the relationship I was in before Nicole, um, I essentially started bear and she had a really serious conversation with me and was like, I feel like you care more about bear and these athletes in our relationship. And I immediately said, I do. Like, I just, I don't, I have no balance. Um, and I've gotten a lot better at managing it, but like, like I don't stop working. Like I woke up at um, nine, uh, maybe eight. I was like eight and immediately started doing video analysis. Um, did do video analysis, uh, packaged up some apparel. Um, I'm on this Zoom call. I'm going to train because I told myself I have to. Um, and then I'm going to program for the rest of the day. Um, like school adds balance, but only because, I have to, not, I don't have to, I made the decision to be in school. Um, but like, I don't really have a, a life outside of bear or coaching. Even being in school is to better myself as a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I do revolves around weightlifting. There was one night Nicole couldn't sleep and she was like, Hey, are you awake? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, tell me something like, just like thinking conversation. I was like, well, like what? And she was like, I don't know something that isn't about weightlifting. And I drew a blank. I was like, uh, like, I don't know. Like, I don't really watch TV. Like, um, I don't know, but it's, and I think for so many people, they think that's super unhealthy, but like, I wouldn't want it any other way. Like, I don't know. Like, I think it's weird. Um, I guess for most people it would be, but I'm like an overly optimistic person. Um, one of my best friends tells me that it's annoying how optimistic I am. She's like, I actually hate how positive you are. And I'm like, look, like everything's perspective. Um, and so I just choose to have a positive perspective on everything. This is in no way disrespectful, but like, why would you go to school if you're 
already a successful <laughs> business owner and like because i i have a business degree i graduated with accounting and finance and business management uh -huh. and like uh -huh. i just I don't know. Like on the outside looking in at you, it's like you have a successful business, you have a website, you have an Instagram, like you're doing all these things. Why why is going to school important? Um so I grew up, well, I had a really rough childhood. Um my parents weren't around. Um neither of my parents ever furthered themselves as an education. And I had like essentially a vocational license because I was a paramedic and I was like a national registered paramedic. I was I had my CC, my critical care certification. Um there was always this weird fear in me about being like pigeonholed into one thing because as a medic, if I quit my job as a medic, I didn't have anything to fall back on. Um, not that I ever wanted something to fall back on, but like growing up, I was always like essentially told that I couldn't really ever do much. Like I remember when I told my high school biology uh, prof or teacher, it's not a professor because it's high school, uh, that I wanted to be an EMT. She essentially told me I wasn't smart enough to be EMT. Keep in mind, I almost got a perfect score on my ACT, but I just like didn't try in school. I made good grades, but I didn't have to try to get good grades. Um, so when I started my degree, it was essentially because there was a person in my life who like told me that like, they had a degree and they kind of held it over my head and like, I don't know. I like, I'm just not good at not finishing what I started. And I think for me, the reason I'm doing it is so my, my big goal, right? Long-term is that I want to get into consulting. And so I want to get into business consulting. So for me, I'll always have bear. I'll always coach, but I want to be able to have bear have like five or six full-time coaches um, where I don't have to pull a salary from bear and I don't have to take any money from it and I can pay someone else. But I started bear with zero business knowledge, zero. I knew how to save someone's life and care about people. And that was it. I also have a lot of street smarts. Like I'm very common sense. Um, so for me, I think long-term what I want to be able to do is help people that are really passionate, but don't know how to run a business, help them know how to run a business. Because like, I just want to make a difference. And like at a certain point, it's got to be bigger than weightlifting and I'll never stop coaching weightlifting. I'll never stop having bear, but I just know later on down the road, if I can get my degree, if I can have that knowledge um, and help, I don't know, man, four or five businesses succeed. What I tell people is there's a lot of people out there that are really passionate. that don't know what they're doing and they fail. And there's a lot of people that know what they're doing, but they don't care about running a business. They don't care about people and they're successful. So if I can turn the tide there, and start helping people that really care, I think it'll make a bigger difference in the world. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you like caring about stuff, that's that's like half the battle. Even if oh, yeah. like if you had if you had no education at all, I guarantee you people would hire you just because of the type of person you are not because I know not because of your degree or anything that you've done before it's just like I mean see talking to you for for 45 minutes like you can tell how passionate you are about people and that's I mean that's more that's way more important than anything else yeah I struggle I go back and forth because then my thing is I wonder if I wasn't in school if I wasn't taking these classes how I could better allocate that time um, I actually did uh, one. So I'm right now I'm only taking two classes, which the shitty thing is that means it's going to take me four years to finish my undergrad. And I'm like, God, four years. Like, oh my God. So I did a paper for management. I'm in management and marketing right now. 
and I got a 34 on it. I was like, I've never got a score this terrible in my whole life. So I actually emailed my professor and I was like, hey, um, I understand my grades final. I'm not asking for anything. If you have time, we can set up a phone call um, so we can just talk about my paper so I know how to not make these mistakes moving forward. So I actually talked to him on the phone when I was in Guadalajara and uh, he kind of was like, it sounds really weird. Like, do you want to call me back? And I was like, well, I'm actually in Guadalajara, Mexico right now. He was like, why? So I explained everything and we talked about it. And um, it was one of those things that I'm like sitting here and we're talking about it. And he's like, you know, it's pretty cool that you have this business and you're established and you're still trying to further yourself to be a better business owner. Um, And I was sitting there like when we got off the phone and I was like thinking to myself, like, is this really something I want to do? Like, is this something I want to push forward for another three and a half years? But like reading this marketing material, reading the management, there's stuff I am taking away from it that is definitely helping me. Um, I don't know if I'll finish, like if I'm just being 100% honest. Um, I, and like, I got finished my associates, not that anyone cares about an associates, but really nobody cares about a bachelor's, to be honest. Um, I think it's just like, I started it and I said I would do it. And maybe there's some stubbornness and maybe a little bit of ego that goes into that. But like, as of right now, it's, it's, it's only helping me. Like it is making me more disciplined. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I definitely, it's not disrespectful. I'm like, I don't have an ego about anything. Like I could have someone straight up be like, don't you think it's stupid to coach so many people? And I'd be like, well, maybe, but like, as of right now, it's working. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, if it is working and like, yeah, I think there's something to that where you said you're going to do something. So, so like you have to finish that. I think that that's valid. I mean, you could probably also be teaching the management marketing class too, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, probably so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely some of the professors I had in school, you could, you could probably be a little bit better than they were. Yeah. It's just, I think I just need to let go of the concept that formal education really means much. Yeah, it really doesn't anymore. It's, it, I mean, it's like you have to have it to get in the door of jobs that you probably would never want to work. So I don't know if I could ever. So this, I wrote, I had to do a personal branding assignment that I turned in yesterday, and we essentially had to sell ourselves. And essentially, part of it was like, you know, make sure you understand that, like, if you're coming in at an entry level or whatever. And in my head, I'm like, why would I ever? Like, cause it was like a business consulting job that I like applied for. Right. And in my head, I'm like, well, just put me in charge. <laughs> you know, like that's literally my thought in my head was like, why would I not be in charge? And I'm like, well, that's not really how it works in corporate America. <laughs> yeah. The, the hierarchy, we could, we could definitely get off topic there. I want to, um, your tattoo and I think yes. burn, burn the ships is kind of, I mean, as I was just going around Instagram, like it's a cult following at this point. Like, oh God, how, I hate that. I know. <laughs> how have you? How have you built this so fast? Like this, um, you know, this loyalty and and the team, like, kind of just buying into everything. Um, I'll definitely say it wasn't on purpose. Um, I am an extremely loyal person, like to a fault. Like my loyalty has definitely bitten in the ass. Um, so when I left the club, I was with. Um, I had every reason not to, um, I made actually more money than I make now. Um, granted the, the, the coaching and like the business owner and like peer side of it wasn't really good for me. Like I had to go through therapy and stuff like that, but, um, it was comfortable. 
right? And it was in the, the beginning of a pandemic. I had every reason to just stay and deal with it. I dealt with it for years. Um, and uh, there was maybe about six months before that I had a conversation with one of my athletes where she was in an unhealthy relationship. She had a job she hated. And we were talking about something and she was talking about like a plan B, her backup. And I was like, why do you even have a backup? And she was like, what do you mean? And this literally just came out. And I was like, if you don't have a plan B and plan A is the only option, then you have nothing to do but succeed. And like, I kind of drove home that day and I was like, man, that's something I should probably think on. Um, So when I started Bear, I had every reason to not succeed. Everything. Like started a business out of my garage with like, like, I remember the day that I signed the paperwork, I told everyone like, hey, meet me in my backyard. Like, we're going to talk about this, you know? And I was like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out. And no matter what, I will be in your corner. Like, I will take care of you. I will make sure you're good. Like, if you need me, I'm here. Like, if you need a human, I'm here. And I think telling someone that to their face, like, hey, like, if you need me, I got you. Like, I've had athletes show up at my house, like, after a breakup. And they're I'm like, hey, like, I'll sleep in the spare bedroom. Like, you know, um, I think just genuinely being there for people and, like, having the hard conversations like if I have an athlete who's constantly bitching about their job I'll be like quit your fucking job like find another job like what are you doing and so burn the ship started as this whole thing that was just like hey like don't even walk up to a barbell and think you're gonna miss like don't be dating someone and be talking to someone else like don't be at your job and be like looking for other jobs like if you're gonna do something you do it completely and so I got that so one of my like super OG athletes, his name's Chad. He's been around forever. Um, he wanted to go get the tattoo. And I was like, you know what? I'll get it too. And then it just turned into this thing. I think there's like 15 athletes. We have people that have actually quit the team that have the tattoo still. Um, but it's more than bear, right? It's more than, it's a, it's like, it's, it's a mindset. It's a mindset of like, I'm not going to live my life going, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll do this. And I think really just being being there for people, like being like, I had an athlete yesterday who was going through some stuff or some dude from like Tinder was like stalking her. And I straight up was like, yo, can I do anything for you? Like, um, like, do you need to stay at our house? Like, do you need to do something? And she's like, no. And more often than not, they don't really need it. But knowing that it's there is powerful. Knowing that they have someone in their corner and knowing that they have someone they can be there. You know, I'll tell people, I'm like, Hey, like if you get stranded on the side of the road, how many people do you have to call to come pick you up? I don't even know who I would call first, but I know I have about 50 athletes that would probably drop whatever they were doing and come get me. And I do the same for them. And so that's just like, it's powerful. It's powerful to know that you have someone in your corner who doesn't clock out. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just think that's big. Yeah. I mean, a thousand percent, like, yeah. And if you judge your life on that, like, who do you have to pick you up when you have something go wrong? Like, if you don't have, yeah. if you don't have any people who would do that for you, like maybe you need to reevaluate what you're doing. That's a, that's a problem. And I think that's one of those things that it's like, you sit there and you think like, man, like, I don't even know. Like I would be, I would be, I am lucky enough that I would be in a position to think, okay, who's closest to where I am. Like we have a, there's a group chat with like, I don't know, just so you know, the iPhone limit is 33 uh, people that you can fit in a group chat. And like, that's, we've met that limit. Um, 
I could literally be like, hey, guys, I'm on the side of 410. Can someone come grab me? And it's, I don't know, like, that's, it's been a hard, what, like, two years now. And I think more than anything, I realize how important people are. Yeah, I mean, just just getting ready for this podcast, I was I was just looking at some of your athletes and looking at your page, and it's just like, as a person who hasn't burned the ships, I'm like, this is, I mean, this is like, I don't know. It's like, it's powerful that you, you've built this up and you're somebody who I look up to, you're motivating and, you know, just running into you at AO2, I'm like, damn, it's, it, it has nothing to do with weightlifting. Like who, who gives a fuck how much you snatch or clean and jerk? It's like, yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and I met Corey in, uh, in my session and I was like, this is the coolest session ever. It was like, it was a giant local meet. Nobody nobody cared who came in first place. I don't even know who came in first place. It's like yeah, people, <laughs> were, people were cheering each other on and it's like, this is, I mean, this is what life's meant to be like. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's bigger because, um, so I like, I'm like, I, I hate to call it a spiel cause it sounds so like sales marketing, but like when I first meet people, I'm like, look, like if you don't, there's going to be a time that you put the bar down for the last time you're going to do your last snatch. You're going to do your last clean and jerk. And if we didn't make you a better person when you leave our walls, we did something wrong. And there's like a, there's a comfort in that knowing that like you're walking into a space, knowing that it's about more than just being an athlete. Yeah. I mean, every coach I've talked to, it's like, it's not about weightlifting. Like this sport, this sport is cool. Snatches are cool. And I, you know, CrossFit's the same way, like walking on your hands is cool, but like, being healthy being a good person like that's that's what it's about not not how fast you can do fran or how much you can clean a jerk no i'm gonna go train today not because i need a stronger back squat or a snatch today but because it's i haven't really trained and i need to get back into a better habit and hold myself more accountable yeah well where can people find you if um if they want to join the team or just follow you support your journey uh, so Instagram mostly, so it's just bare barbell. Um, my Instagram handle is slimfix64. It was something that started like three years ago, and at this point, I can't change it. <laughs> um, I went to some national meet, and I had some guy come up to me, and he was like, "Hey, um, do you have a second? And I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Are you slim thick?" I was like, "Fuck, <laughs> yes." And then like ever since then, it's like, what would I change it to? Like, I'm not the kind of person that would have an Instagram handle that's like Brittany Rucker. I'm like, what? That's not me. Um, so yeah, Instagram, our website, um, man, I'm just, I'm always here to help people. I I'll have people reach out to me. They're coaches or athletes and they just have questions. Um, I'm just here to make people better, whether they want to be an athlete for us, uh, whether they're a coach with a question, I coach coaches. Um, just like I have a mentor, I mentor, uh, coaches. Um, I'm just here to make people better. Well, thanks for doing this, dude. This was fun. Of course. If you guys enjoyed this week's episode of the podcast, just make sure to share it out on your Instagram story and tag both of us at slimthick64 and at better than yesterday pod. That's a big help to the podcast, helps get us out to new listeners who maybe don't know about the show. So again, if you want to support, you can do it that way, or you can leave a five-star rating on iTunes and a quick review. Uh, let me know what you think about the show. Maybe let me know some guests that you want to hear going forward. And I'll be sure to do my best to get them on. So thank you again for the support. I look forward to talking to you guys next week.